Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's the Flyers Forecast with Steve Jacob and Craig Forsythe taking a look at your Flyers week ahead. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Flyers Forecast. I am Steve Jacob. This is Craig Forsythe and we are here to talk about the Philadelphia Flyers week ahead for the week of August 17th. That's right. Playoff hockey in August continues on. Flyers currently leading their series with the Montreal Canadiens by a count of two games to one. And Craig, how you feeling about everything? How you feeling about this week ahead for the Flyers? Uh, Steve, I'm feeling, uh, I mean, I'm not feeling that great about the series so far. I thought they'd look a little bit better against the Canadiens. I thought they'd be a little more dominant, but uh, they are up two to one. And I think, I don't know, I still feel, I guess, pretty confident they're going to take care of business for the rest of the series. Uh, they just, uh, they haven't played a good game yet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they've looked good at points in time, but they haven't actually played a full a full 60 minutes, which I know sounds like a dumb thing to say, but, uh, I mean, yesterday was pretty tough. Uh, Friday's game was a big old mess, and then period two from game one. So they uh, still haven't really seen the Flyers' best effort, but up two to one, so which is the most important thing. I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, I think as as fans of the Flyers who have watched these Dave Hackstall teams over the past few years, um, we know exactly what you mean by haven't played the full 16 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Those and... teams, Hackstall's Flyers were the kings of just playing one period of hockey a game. Mm-hmm. And then if they got lucky, they would just sit back in the third when they had a lead and usually... Uh found a way to blow it. So I guess that that's a positive from yesterday's game was the Flyers got one goal early and it was all they all they needed. And, uh, you know, in the third period, it wasn't really... I think they got... The Canadians got more shot attempts at 5-on-5, five five, but the Flyers dominated, like, the, the quality battle. So it was a thing where the Flyers just didn't give the Canadians any, any chances in the third period. I think they hit the iron a bunch of times, but there weren't any high-quality chances. So, I mean, that's... Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. And that's been one of the nice things with Elaine Vigneault's Flyers as opposed to teams of the past few years is you do actually feel confident with this team with a lead late in the game. Under Hackstall, it was just, if they had a lead at any point in the game, you thought, no way are they keeping this lead. Especially late, he would throw Vandevelde, Belmar, Ronaldo. I don't even think Ronaldo was on the Hackstall team. But, you know... (laughs) He would throw these bottom six forwards out there in, you know, the the pivotal moments for the game, and you'd be losing your mind over here. Yeah. And, like, the the big thing with him was he'd always throw it out even when the team was down by a goal or two in the third. Like, yesterday's game was a lot of, 
Uh, Thompson's line at the most point, I saw him five and five, but it made it made sense because that was a one nothing lead in the postseason, and you know you had to go through a third period to hang on to that lead. It wasn't a regular season game where you're down by a goal, and you're like, all right, Vanderbilt and and Belmar get out there and, and create some magic. So there's, I mean, yeah, thankfully uh, we can already see the difference between like Hacksaw's playoff teams and this and this playoff team under AV, and uh, I think honestly that's kind of been. That's kind of been the difference. It's it's been ugly, um, but I think AV's made the right. He's pressed the right buttons, and he's he's connected on a couple of things that kind of helped make the difference. I mean, there's that uh, AV's coaching, uh, and also like I wanted to talk about what did you think of his comments with uh, Kirk Muller, like about throwing out the top power play when they're down by five. I took I wrote that down because I saw a lot of people kind of. I guess dunking on AV for complaining about it, but I didn't really think it was him necessarily like uh, complain. He wasn't complaining about like Mueller doing it. He just wanted his team, like team, to know that they just didn't give a shit and they were trying to dunk on the Flyers. So like his whole quote was, uh, "Quote I saw toward the end of the game there where Kirk Mueller they got a five zero lead and he puts his number one power play on the ice. We had embarrassed ourselves enough. I don't think we need to get embarrassed more. I'm gonna make sure our team is very aware of that next game." So that last line to me just means like, I saw I saw that shit. I'm gonna make sure my team saw that shit as well to let them know that you know he's trying to create bulletin board material. It wasn't like him complaining. I don't know. I didn't take that as like him having sour grapes that Mueller was like piling it on. I don't know. It's the and it's the playoffs. Like oh, the other team is supposed to embarrass the shit out of you, but I think AV was just saying like, I you know I'm gonna make sure that my team is motivated by that next game. So I think that got like taken out of context and that kind of was a little irritating this week, but. Craig, our friend Big Al, he's out there playing chess, <laughs> not checkers. Yeah, and, and right. that's what... He's yeah. a step ahead. He's, you know, that's the gamesmanship I was talking about last week with Big Al, Liam Vigneault. It, he knew exactly what he was doing with that. He wasn't doing it for the sake of complaining. I think he was 100% doing it as a motivational tactic for his team. Get him fired up about something. I mean, because they looked dead in that second game. They just looked completely lifeless. Yeah, and I think, and to that too, like, that's got to be something with Julian and Mueller, or Mueller, doesn't it? Like, just the fact that, like, I think Julian leaving the series, that must have been, like, a big emotional, like, push for the Habs on Friday. Just based on the fact, too, they came out firing, what was it? They led, they were up in shots, yeah, they led in shots 12 nothing through most of the first period. The Flyers didn't get their first shot on net until, like, 3.36 left in the first period. So, it was... Like and that was the start of the game that pretty much set the tone for the whole day. But that was, I think, bad start. Of, oh yeah, bad start. Bad start. Not a great start. <laughs> I think that definitely like fucked everything up though for Friday. And then just looking at the goal, like Friday's goals were a lot of just the Flyers made two or three mistakes that led to a high quality Canadians chance. Like the Canadians did something right on that play, but like each play was compounded by the Flyers fucking up. Like, the first goal of the game was Myers just, like, Gallagher get out of the corner. He could have pinned him. Uh, Sanheim kind of put himself in a bad position. The forwards were all high in the zone. And then Tatar's just there to put in a rebound. Second goal, Hart turns it over. And then, like, Ghost and Braun have a fucking field day, like, down low, and it causes a whole problem. And then, um, like, it was just, I, I don't know. Like, they just kept, oh my god, and then the fourth goal, Armio's goal, was just Justin Brown out of position again, and they couldn't get the puck deep. So it's just little things that it, it feels like they corrected them in game three, and they erased 
all of them, and that's why the Canadians didn't score. But it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tight if that's the way it's gotta go from here on out. Like I thought it was gonna be a little more separation between these two clubs, but uh, it seems like the Canadians' speed and uh, aggressiveness on the puck is gonna is gonna make this a real close one. Yeah, and they look speedy out there. They look real fast. Look real, and the Flyers, fast. especially in the second game, looked very slow in comparison. Uh, third game, I mean, it did seem like they made some adjustments. They played tighter hockey. It's still not where I want to see the Flyers at, and especially I think the biggest problem in the third game was the fact that they had a ton of power play opportunities, and they they couldn't take advantage of them. I mean, you get a four-minute power play early in the game. That's a perfect time to go in there and just bury this team, and they didn't take advantage of it, and they just never looked that organized. I mean, do we have to get... You know, John Taffer and the, the bar rescue team in here, the, the <laughs> hockey do, rescue yeah. team. Yeah. And Look at this! <laughs> you guys have a perfectly good lead that your father, Elaine Vigneault, helped us set up. It's a good man here. He's a good man who's trying his best. And you go in the power play, and you can't even get a shot on that! I don't get it! Shut it down! <laughs> the shut it down. You got that. I really enjoyed that part. You got that uh, that part of the I invitation. I think I blew out my throat with that shut it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you're right, though. I mean, it was a one goal game, but that's, I think that's a positive. Uh, it's not a positive. I mean, they went 0 for 6 on the fucking power play. But I think that's another way to look at it. It was a very close game, but it should have been, should have swung more in the Flyers, you know, way because they, they didn't convert on a single one of those six opportunities. Still drew those penalties, and I think it's worth pointing out that a bunch of them were the, the Canadians got called for setting picks, which I think was a big part of game one and two for the Montreal Korean space. Cause last night it seemed like they was the game. They created the least amount of space for themselves on offense. And, uh, I think, uh, who a bunch of players got, I forget who two players called. Who I mean, I was just thinking picks, back to, like, I was just thinking back to game two when Shane Gostas got straight up cross-checked in the back down so they could score a goal. Yeah, like. and that yeah, like that and again that goal and then the last goal was uh Kake Nami cut into the slot and Tatar picked Sandheim to give him five feet of space and then he picked a corner over an Elliott. So if the refs are picking up on that twice in a game, it means they know they're doing it. The only unfortunate thing is like you can't call every single pick or they're gonna be in the penalty box maybe six times a night. But the power play they got to figure the power play out. I mean, it's uh, it's mainly just getting into the zone. I went back and I was watching the replays last night, and that's really, like, they wasted that double minor, to, which was the first part of the game. They couldn't, they just didn't get set up in the zone. Uh, and then the second second power, or the third power play of the game, they got into the zone, and they were completing a lot of cross-ice plays. They just couldn't finish at the net. And I think, I think that's what we have to look forward to moving ahead is, uh, I, I think what they're going to try and do is trying to get two cross-ice passes and with the second one being uh, Pittori or Voracek redirecting a puck down low. And that's kind of what, I mean, so what led to the first goal of the series was a point shot that went off Voracek. But I think they're going to, you're going to have to get greasy ones against Price. There have been three goals against them this series, and none of them have been, have, have looked good. They've all been redirections and screens in front that beat that beat Price. So, uh, yeah, the power play, they, they've got to, I think uh, the double screen they got to keep doing. And he let Provorov or Sandheim, let Provorov or Sandheim from the point come in and kind of drift one through traffic and uh, just hope Konechny or Drew get a rebound. But but don't let Hag do it. Don't let Robert Hag do it anymore because 
<laughs> there was one play I, I specifically remember he had room and he moved up and took that shot. I'm like, no, that's not what you do. You're Bobby Hag, the hitman Hag. <laughs> you are body bag Hag. I got to get them all in there. You are in this game to literally sit back in the defensive zone and just hit guys wherever possible. Give you know, those like 5,000 yes. little micro hits you give a game. That's <laughs> what you're here to do. You are not here to try and fire that puck on the net, sir. Do not do it. <laughs> and speaking of, uh, let's, let's talk about Bobby, Bobby, uh, Bobby back Hag real quick. Good old Bobby hits. Uh, yeah, so Shane Goss Despair was given a, a shot in the first two games, and for some reason, I him and Justin Braun just it is negative chemistry. It's bad news. Like it's bad news it, yeah. if you're in NHL 20 and you're putting the lines together for chemistry, Ghost and Braun is like a negative five for <laughs> for chemistry. Yeah, it's just not. They just don't mesh well together. Both of them are pretty bad getting the puck out and which is the same problem that Hag and Brown have and then like Ghost isn't really the guy going from the net but Brown just has he just fucking loves swinging out to the corners and trying to pressure somebody when he really shouldn't I mean that's what led to two of the goals on Saturday like that entire Kake Naomi's first goal was just a lot of stupid shit happening and then Ghost was left in front to cover two guys while Brown was out of position in the corner and like I he's did it with Ghost a bunch. Hag had two goals go off him in the round robin, and it was because Braun was doing the same thing. So, uh, I don't. I really start. I'm starting to think like maybe Braun should sit. But after yesterday's game, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but Hag and Braun yesterday they worked well. I mean they, uh, 44.44 Corsi four percentage, eight shot attempts for the Flyers when they were on the ice, ten against. Uh, but three to one in shots, 50.46 expected goals four percentage, and. Egg did have the secondary assist on the lone goal of the game. That pair finished uh, 1-0 in terms of goals on the day. And uh, mainly went up against Jonathan Druin, Jess Berry, Kake Nami, and uh, Max Domi. But they they did well. I mean, like, if they break even on the expected goals for percentage in the possession and they don't, like, like hemorrhage goals against, whatever. I'm looking for anything on that third pair right now. I'm not feeling too confident in in any kind of formation they're going to throw out there even if you try to bring in mark freeman like i feel like freeman and hag or freeman and ghost are, are not going to be it's not going to be a pretty situation either so it's as long as they can just avoid giving up a goal every game i'm going to be happy with whatever the third pair did so that's that's what I'm, that's how i'm looking at game three <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. It's, i it's, mean it's yeah. a bummer to me but you know it's hey whatever like wins the game too. i also don't give a shit you know it's whatever wins the game at the end of the day and that was not the prettiest one to nothing win but i don't know if there's ever been a pretty one to nothing win. i mean especially i mean it's going to the first period of the playoffs it's going to be kind of hard to make that game you know kind of make that game look uh look pretty but i thought to me i thought they took away everything the canadians were trying to do like, it was a very, very low-event game, which I feel like swings more in the Flyers' favor because the Canadians are all about just getting, just trading shot attempts and just getting into, like, the high shot attempt battle and just keep on trading chances. So if you're able to slow slow them down and take out the number of attempts they're throwing on net, I think that works in the Flyers' favor because we saw yesterday they, like, there were a couple close calls, but they didn't have any Nate Thompson missing a wide-open net situation. Like, there were no goals they should have been given they hit the post a bunch, but they were all the outside of the post on like situations where they were still cornered into a less than ideal shot. So I feel like yesterday 
like they the, the Flyers pretty much took away anything the Canadians want to do offensively. And like they're I mean Scott Lawn didn't really help with his turnovers cuz sweet baby juice. Those two turnovers in the second period were were spicy. I mean they they were two of the <sighs> Canadians better chances. He gave Gallagher the puck in the slot. And then he gave one to Drew and to walk in for like a partial breakaway. But Sco- Scooty Lutz, like, like does, we can't. Did Scooty Lutz hear us talking good about him? Did, is he like, yeah, man, like everybody guy. likes me. Every, they think I could be a top six forward now, you know, at least in certain situations. He's like, I I can't have this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I am. Like that line, Lawton Hayes and Konechny has kind of been, it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been great. Uh, in this in this series, so in the in three games this series, they have a thirty eight point eighty one Corsi four percentage, uh, twenty six shots against four forty one against, losing the shot count twelve to sixteen, thirty nine point eighty four expected goals four percentage, and they're breaking even in goals, but still none of that is great uh, for twenty five thirty three action at five on five, and they've been getting work by Thomas Tatar, Nick Suzuki, and Gallagher. Like that was the line that before the series, I, I thought that the Hayes line should be able to tee off on them because the Canadians really should only have one good line they can kind of throw out there and it works effectively against any team, and that would be Tatar, Daniel, and Gallagher. But they try, Julian tried to split that up to spread out the depth, and it's been working. I mean, they've been doing pretty well. They, uh, against that line, Lawn Hayes and Kentucky is uh, six shot attempts for 21 against, four shots for, eight shots against, 22.72 expected goals for percentage in 9.13. So really the Canadians' top line, I would say, second line, top line, is uh, is taken to the Flyers' second line right now. And that's something that we didn't expect going into the series. And also still something that, that being said, the Flyers still found a way to win two of the first three games. And that can change That can change next game. Like that can be something that the Law and Hayes and Connecting can buck that trend next game if... Uh, you know, if Lawn's not dropped down to three uh, C, there, I'm starting to I'm starting to feel that idea a little bit. Put him down the lineup, and then uh... I like that idea. I'm not a huge Nate Thompson fan either, and not either, with but, Michael yeah. with Michael Raffle back too, that really helps cement the bottom six. So I think you could bump Thompson and put Scott Lawton down there on three C and figure out the rest from there. Yeah, yeah, and and then you could have like a fourth line of. Uh... Or, I mean, yeah, you could go Raffle, Grant, uh, Pitlick even on the fourth line. That may be, That's what I was thinking I mean, for the fourth yeah, line. I, mean, I, I like yeah. that fourth line. I mean, Pitlick might not be, from Pitlick what has I some recall, he didn't have... Yeah, yeah he, he had some shitty plays. I was going to try and plays. phrase it as a from an yeah, advanced statistical point of view, it. but he had some <laughs> shitty plays. He had some <laughs> shitty plays. Uh, Pitlick, yeah, I mean, he's not the best, but he, you know, he's got some grit, some gumption, I, some heart. Blah, blah, blah. But I, I like Pitlick for the most part. And I think with Grant and Raffle, I mean, that's that's a very, you know, those two guys are very good two-way players, very defensively responsible. Yeah, like I, I feel fine throwing them out there. I feel fine throwing that line out there in any situation. Like Pitlick, too, is, uh, he's fine. Uh, like he's been fine this postseason. Just those two plays on Friday were like the uh, Tatar second, he had all that space to walk into a shot in the high slot. That was because Pitlick didn't get over in time. And then that uh, the Armida goal, like Pitlick fucked up getting the puck out of his own twice, and then it resulted in the goal that banked in off ghosts. So, like, he, you know, for a guy that's not, that's only going to play fourth line minutes and penalty killing, like, he, he can't have those plays. And I feel like that's what game two was, was just everybody on the team having those types of plays. And Montreal coming, coming in, like, shot out of a cannon because they were emotionally charge from the julian news i think so i think like game two is just the whole mess of 
things you don't want heading into a playoff game. And then yesterday was a little grosser version of what we ultimately want in a win. But I think you want to see more offense, which hopefully the power play getting better will do that. But I think I think that getting a shutout, I think, is a pretty big deal. But I mean, like oh, it is for sure. all the time. Yeah, but like, you know, because it was a shutout where it wasn't like, well, they could have had a goal or two. I really felt like it, that the Flyers took it all away. And Hart, Hart had some big saves, but again, they weren't like, I don't know, they weren't like cross crease sprawling saves. Like, yeah, that's kind of because he thing. doesn't put him in the position to have to yeah. make those saves, which is why he's so good. And, he's... you know, thank God we knew that coming in because, you know, otherwise we'd get antsy. No, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, right? Like, people aren't going to complain when you get shutouts, when you get those kind of numbers that Carter Hart's putting up there right now. And he's been, he's been everything we wanted him to be. I don't, I don't blame him at all for game two. I think most of those goals, no, he really couldn't I, have done jack shit about maybe one of them, but for the most part, those were just defensive breakdowns. Yeah. Like going back and looking at the four goals, they were mainly defensive breakdowns. The second goal, he didn't help himself because he decided to play the puck and then got pressured by Kake Nami and turned it over. But like first goal was a shitty player from my, like literally the five scares on the ice. They just all took a lax approach. Once Gallagher got in the corner, that was that. Second one was, again, the skaters messed up, like, two or three plays before the puck came, you know, before there was a two-on-one in front of the net. So, again, I don't know what Hart's supposed to do there. Third one, he was screened. And then the fourth one was everybody. Yeah. I mean, it was literally just, uh, I don't think, he, he hasn't really sh- had a bad goal yet. I mean, it's been, they've been some goals that he's just been really unfortunate. Even the goal in game one, the goal in game one was he stopped the Shea Weber slap shot from the top of the circle and then he got punished for it was what that was so i he's been fine and i think that should be really encouraging too that the way the canadians are going to win this series was carrie price is going to you know outduel Hart, and in the two close games so far Hart's come out on top so i mean i'll that, I'll, I'll take that as a positive like if the players yeah. are gonna yeah if they don't have their a game and they can still come away with two of the first three games that's that's fine by me I mean, what was that? The first shutout since Michael Neufirth a few years ago? Uh, In the I playoffs, that is. I would say, I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain I read that somewhere. That had to. I mean, yeah, they didn't get one it, it's certainly, it's the best goaltending performance we've seen in a Flyers uniform since that. And, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. if he puts it together more consistently, then that probably the best since, like, like Mason did pretty well against the Rangers a few years back, right? Yeah, Mason did make it close against the Rangers for a couple games. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, if he does this, this would be... Because the goaltending least... was not good under LaViolette. Although, you know, again, the Eastern Conference Finals, Mr. Michael Layton well, with gonna three say, shutouts. This might actually be... Yeah, I was going to say, this is probably... If you're looking at stats and overall performance for a series, like, he's leaning towards that already. He's already got one of the three shutouts. <laughs> and the other one was a one-goal game, so... But like overall, I it's the last. I don't time think you could ask for more from. No, absolutely. Kind of say, well, the last time, yeah, like I, I, he's been the best player so far through three games, and I don't really know if that's up for debate. And like we're still waiting to see a bunch of these guys. Uh, show. You know, I'm gonna give. I gotta point out Voracek. I, you know, he's one of those guys that people always love to go like, where is he right now? But uh, three goals in the series, two of them just are going off his body, which I don't care. Get to the net and get some kind of redirection or rebound, and the puck will go in. So, Hey, Jake the Snake, who doesn't score goals because Jacob snakes don't have arms, snake is, 
I mean, you're you're not doing the the nickname justice enough. It's Jake the Snake who can't score goals because snakes don't have arms. It's very concise and to the point nickname. Uh, but yeah, Voracek scored. Just get the puck to the net, which is I think the the power play. You know, you just need those fans shouting "shoot" from that's, the concourse. That's kind of what it is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, they're not getting pucks to the net, and it's that simple. And Carey Price, guess what? You're not going to get perfect shots. You got to get some of those goofy goals on them. Yeah, and that's I think that was a big issue in game two. Like that was something. Just going through the game, like they were just launching. Like Pro, I think Provorov had a bunch of unscreened shots from the point. Like a bunch of guys had shots like high in the zone that were just unscreened, and it's like that's not going to beat most goals, let alone the guy who's supposed to be the best player on the other team. Like, you're going to have to do more than that. And I think, so that's why for the power play, I hope they stick with the double screen, and I hope they set it up where it's Proveroff at the top, and then you have Couturier and Voracek as the screen, and then when Proveroff is about to shoot, hopefully Giroux and Konechny kind of cheat down a little bit, so then you just have four guys waiting for a rebound if Price can't see the original shot. Like, to me, that sounds like the formula they need to be trying to work through more. Uh, I think what they're going to try and do, they tried it on the last power play last night, was Drew has it at the top of the left circle, passes it over to Konechny. Konechny pretends like he's going to shoot and gets everybody to like square up to him, and then he gets the cross-ice pass back to Drew for a one-timer. So then you have Froes trying to like move across traffic already after already dropped, trying to stop a Drew one-timer. I think that's what they're trying to do with the South they got right now, but as we saw last night, when it doesn't work, it's a lot of fucking passing. It's a lot of passing that doesn't produce any kind of shots, which they I, I don't think they can really try and force that too often. I'm I'm here for for a rough or if they want to get dicey and throw Sandheim out there, let him be the guy that kind of tries to drift shots through traffic. But I think that's the way to go. Because again, all these goals that you're just not really gonna get pretty passing plays against Carey Price. Like it's just not gonna it's just not gonna happen. So got to get greasy and, and dirty ugly goals <laughs> that's all it's going to come down to yeah and i mean montreal their whole strategy right is to gum up the works defensively really rely on shea weber to be the mountain and use their speed where they can to to get opportunities and that's it's it's a frustrating as hell game plan to to watch and for the flyers to play against it really, like, yeah, all their fours are small and quick as shit, and then their top four are just all big-ass defensemen that are actually good at, like, driving play and stuff. So it's a weird, it is a weird combo that just gets under your skin when you, you watch it all game long, and you kind of realize that, well, like, a big part of this, a big difference in the series so far, it feels like it's just the Canadians being able to be on top of a, a lot of flyers when they're trying to pass. Like, I feel like they've been over Hayes the entire series. Uh, it seemed like they were taking away time and space for Voracek in the neutral, neutral zone last night. Like, they, there's nobody on the flyers that can kind of really, like, zip around this team. Even NAK really isn't, like, getting around people or Pitlick. So it's all the forwards are fast, and it's kind of hard to, you know, we're talking about getting rebounds again through the net, but they do have those big defensemen kind of help clear out the way. So it's... Again, it's just all lined up. Like, matchups-wise, it just doesn't feel comfortable for the Flyers, but they are where they are. And the next, if they get two more wins on the series, they may not be pretty, but they should be getting them. And uh, whatever. All I can say is I think the Canadians, the Canadians, the Hurricanes, and the Lightning are the teams I'm worried about when it comes to speed if the Flyers get past this round. Because everybody else, when the Flyers are playing teams at the top of the conference all year long, they're kind of bigger, slower teams, and the Flyers are doing pretty well against them. 
So maybe, maybe it is a speed thing, and the Canadians are nothing but speed. So hopefully, uh, just get the hell out of the series, and then see what uh, see what they do against some of the bigger, slower teams. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's it's been a weird series. I I hope the Flyers... I'll, I'll be very embarrassed if the Flyers don't make it out of this series because I don't think Montreal's playing well, necessarily. I think they're playing as well as they can, but it's just... Yeah. It's, they, they've got such an annoying scheme right now, and you're seeing this, like, with multiple NHL teams where the Blue Jackets have an annoying scheme where... Coyotes. I mean, Tampa Bay is finally, you know, getting up on top of them, but... Yeah, it's Tampa Bay's outplayed them in every game, but the Blue Jackets. I mean, Corpusalo is stopping everything. Corpusalo is yeah, he's been fucking nuts, and they and they're protecting the house, as you said. I mean, when you have yeah. Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski playing, you know, the majority of the game, it's <laughs> it's really what it is. It's too. a hell of a thing. Them. Yeah, and that's like that's what they're talking about. Like uh, the Blue Jackets do it. The Islanders do it, and the Coyotes oh, the are... Islanders, God, they're they're on the verge of sweeping the Washington Capitals right now, and it is just it's so boring. It's such an unwatchable series. Uh, the Coyotes, however, it's not working out so well. They got smoked tonight by the Avalanche. Yeah, the Avs are finally separating, creating some separation. Oh, that's the thing. You play that, you know. We, I mean, you fucking everybody knows that. You play that way for a while. It's gonna eventually, eventually, you're gonna get tired of blocking twenty shots a night. Like, uh, and that's the Blue Jackets. They played like a gajillion periods in a week long span. So they. Maybe they should sign Andrew McDonald. He never gets tired of what, blocking shots. But he does get tired of playing defense. That, that was the problem. He would just kind of block shots and then lay around. But he's not fucking doing anything. Get him out there. Him. Brandon Manning is probably looking for work. Nick Schultz. You know, get all the, all the Flyers classics back out there. And maybe we can uh, get this party going right. I, but like Oof. I feel like the Canadians have been, yeah they. I feel like they, I feel like they've kind of played the games they've wanted to. Not last night, but the first two were very much. Oh, the Flyers aren't playing their game at all. Yeah, like the last game was, I think, the way the Flyers kind of want to play it from here on out because they saw that they can snuff out literally all the Canadian 
Canadians offense. The Canadians did hit five posts last night, and I guess that is worth pointing out. Um, if we're talking about them not getting chances. But I went back and I looked at them, and, like, the only one that was really, like, the one chance that could have been considered, like, a borderline should have been goal for the Canadians was Kakinami hit the post. It was the inside of the post, and it turned Carter Hart around. Hart didn't know where it was, and a rebound bounced out. And it was like a race between Domi and Sanheim. And Sanheim yeah. won. So that was like the one chance. The rest of them, Brett Kulak hit the outside of the post. Uh, Gallagher, like see Gallagher got awarded like hitting the post on this play. It was literally just him protecting the puck along the goal line. And he put a shot along the goal line and hit the post. But like Cart took away everything. So like that's not, like I see, I keep seeing like people talk about the five post hit. But like that counts as one of them. And that shot was never going in. And then you had three other shots at the outside of the post. So I, I just, I, I think they really did just take away, took it all away. Um, and hopefully they can keep doing that. Fix that in the power play. I just go from there. Yeah, well, we shall see. And there's a, there's a few games this week. They actually have back-to-back games this week, which is pretty wild shit right there. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so Tuesday at 3 and then Wednesday at 8. Yes, Tuesday at 3 p.m. Middle of the day hockey for you guys. Ugh. Yeah, hopefully better than Friday. I think we do get. I think we do get some home cooking on this one, though. I think uh, JJ and Bill Clement are in the cards because I do see NBCSP on the listings here. So that is a welcome reprieve from the monster known as Mike Milberry. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody actually tweeted at us today and asked. Would you rather hear Mike Milbury actually give insightful analysis or Gilbert Gottfried give Milbury's current analysis? That was just that was Justin, right? That was Justin. Yes, that was Justin. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm taking double G's all day. I mean, I'm over Milbury. You're taking like... Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> when that was that your John Taffer or Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> you know, it's hard Slash to tell anymore. Is it it all hurts game. my throat. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jafar. <laughs> It's the only Godfrey I can think of is Siago from Aladdin. <laughs> hey Pierre, did what? What happened to him? Is he still out there making stuff or like what? Yeah, Gilbert Godfrey. He just keeps going, just keeps yeah. chugging along. Just keeps going. Good for him. Yeah, so screaming at everybody he runs into. I was gonna, I was gonna say, man, screaming dirty jokes ever. at people. It's it's a life. <laughs> Good work if you can get it. That's, that's what <sighs> we're trying to do here. Yeah. I, I actually think I might prefer to... I would love to hear Gilbert Gottfried read Milbury's analysis for one game, but I, I would love to hear him just become a rational human being instead of this just hot take monster that he's become. Oh, what? <sighs> yeah. I I mean, he's... between Milbury and that Jack Edwards take from the other day that said uh, that Svechnikov yeah. was basically asking to be injured. Oh, yeah. God. Jack Edwards, yeah. You know, every once in a while, you're kind of like, is Jack Edwards, is he starting to get normal? Like, is he not as bad as a homer as he used to be? And then he's like, no, I'm still here. And then he'll put no, out, like, I'm still the, here. Most, I'm still <laughs> it's the worst tweet you can imagine. He's like, no, I still, yeah. I still got shitty opinions. Don't worry about That's it. like a, a top five, like, worst tweet ever. No, it's not even close <laughs> no, because close, you know, but... <laughs> this is the hellscape we live in. But <laughs> Yeah, dude, yeah. you're saying that in 2020. I bet you yeah. Yeah, we can find some. Tuesday, <laughs> 3 p.m., Wednesday, 8 p.m., and then Friday is a TBD game. And if there is a game seven, that will be on Sunday the 23rd. There you go. And hopefully, I'm thinking, so, first of all, you think the Flyers win this series. They're going with that. 
Yes, I still feel confident they win the series. I don't think Montreal is all that good, and I think their luck is going to run out. And I think I think the Flyers are going to crack that nut eventually and figure out how to play them. But yeah. it's they've been annoying as hell. They have been playing their game, and the Flyers have been playing in their hands. And yeah. I'm hoping the Big Al can figure something out for this game. I, I think he's been trying. He's been tinkering, but it's it's been difficult. Yeah, I think... I think they do end up winning it too. I think it might go to six because I'm still banking on Price stealing one, and that didn't ha- that wasn't game two at all. That was actually the Habs winning it. So I think there might be one more hiccup, but I think games four, five, and six will look better than games uh, one and two because game. I think game three they kind of realize what they have to do to take away chances, and I hope that hope that continues. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe not the best news for Faraby <laughs> uh, and company, but. I mean, I'll take wins right now. It's kind of what is most important, unfortunately. It's not literally all that like, matters. <laughs> yeah, not unfortunately, but like, yeah, if you're... Oh, well, 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 you're going to talk in. about some stats some more, you nerd. <laughs> the talk about the team, give 110%. <laughs> Their PDO too high. Uh, I'll figure out something to complain about. The worst, like, nerd takes ever for the, the next episode. <laughs> But uh, Caroline just scoring the first shot of the game. I think I'll ruin that for you. So uh, you don't goddamn spoiler machine. <laughs> I hate you. Nah, don't make fun of the stats. Don't go with the stats. And the stats, uh, the stats have news. nothing to do with me watching uh, on internet they feed versus you. you watching on cable. <laughs> they they heard you giving me shit about liking stats. And they're like, you know what? We're going to throw Craig a bone here. And, uh, My God. And that's what they did. Yeah. Is that Justin but, uh, Williams? Flyers yeah, legend Justin Williams? That would be Justin Williams, my friend. Yeah. Old man Hold Justin mind. Williams. Yeah, with uh, Halak uh, looking a little, uh, looking a little soft on that goal. Wonder if uh... yeah, we're we're gonna talk about this a little more uh, on Flyperbole later this oh, week. Yeah. But Tuka Rask being out for the Bruins might be a huge factor. Yeah, I still, I just want to see, I just want to see all the Bruins fans' reaction if they lose this series after trashing Rask for all these years and wanting to Halak in the series to see if it, uh, you know, how it plays out. We'll see how that works. I mean, you could do a lot worse as far as backup options. He's probably the best backup option you could have out of all the backups. He's he's pretty pretty good. He's up there. But, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, it's a brilliant. I think they've hated Rask for a couple, or there's been like a weird segment of the fan base that hasn't liked Rask for a couple years. It's Boston. I mean, Well, and then, you know, before Rask decided to formally, you know, uh, bow uh, bow his way out of the bubble, he did come out and say, like, oh, it just doesn't feel the same. Uh, the intensity's yeah, not there mistake. because of the fans. And that was, like, that was, like, the first indication of, like, oh, this guy doesn't want to be here at all. <laughs> yeah, that should have been a big... Uh, I, we might as well just talk about it now because, like, it, yeah. it just was... It was becoming more and more apparent that he just was not into this. It's like, uh, you're in a relationship and you just start and like, eh, I guess we could do that. It just seemed disinterested, you know? And Yeah. Well, I, I need to get out. So again, like I saw a lot of the fallout, but wasn't the reason he actually left was he just had a daughter and he wanted he wanted to go home and spend time with his daughter? Yeah, wasn't he, that he it? has a, actually okay, a perfectly so, legitimate. He's yeah, got, he's got a real. He's real. got a newborn and two young children at home that he wanted to go take care of, and I totally get being distracted yeah, that's there. Absolutely and I haven't fine. seen too many people outside of Millbury come out and give hot takes on this because I mean, uh, it's, I mean it's a human factor. It's the fact is there's a pandemic going on. It's extraordinary circumstances. You can't really blame him for this, but right. there are going to be people, Millberry, that go out and 
you know, blame this guy for just wanting to do what's right for his family. And it's, you know, hockey, as we said, with Claude Julian, hockey is not the primary thing. You know, you have other concerns in your life. Yeah, Uh, I do. You know, it is kind of funny that Boston's produced two of the absolute worst fucking sports like the Rast take from Millbury and then the Edwards take on the special call situation. It's just both like, you know, that's, this is why Boston sucks. This is why nobody likes Boston. <laughs> Cause they I'm have so happy. Opinions. I'm <laughs> so happy. We just have Bill Clement who makes just weird, like quirky dad comments during the game. And that's it. Weird and Coatsy who, when they score. Yeah. Like Bill and, and Coatsy is... who I heard talking uh, on the radio broadcast <laughs> the other day, talking about uh, potentially choking to death on a chicken nugget. <laughs> this was a thing this actually happened on i listened to i think for game one i listened to the radio broadcast or it might have been the tampa bay game i think it was the tampa bay game and coatsy and tim saunders started talking about like chicken nuggets and then all of a sudden they're talking about coatsy choking to death on chicken nuggets I'm like what's going on <laughs> oh shit but like we have drunk coat, you know, the, the joke has always been Cozy, you know, enjoys the sauce and uh, we have Cozy and we have Bill Clement and neither of them are given, you know, red hot takes on, uh, you know, guys deciding to be with their families. Actually, I think Cozy yeah. came out and said uh, about the NHL's policy of not revealing if players have COVID or not when they, you know, have their injuries and they just say they're injured. That's it. And he said, it's yeah. none of your business. So yeah. Cozy is the other way. Yeah, that's sick. We need more of that. Yeah, I mean, what I'm trying to say is, Coatsy's, you know, he's the man. Be more like Coatsy is what we're all trying to say here. Is just yeah. that's that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Do you think he's uh? Think he's ever gonna come back to between the benches? I don't know about now. So they should have. Oh my fired. god, they should have brought yeah. him back years ago. Yeah. Should have brought. And this is no offense to to Bundy or to Tyron Hatcher. You know, done a great job between the benches, but there's only yeah, one Coatsy. Coatsy is just a maniac, is what that is. <laughs> that's not. That's outside energy. That's not like we need the changes there already. That's I just want to see more Coatsy yelling at me during a Flyers game for no reason. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, the the best Coatsy moment is still during the 2010 run when he was in the bar. And I think it was either JJ or Bill Clement was like, Coatsy, that young woman next to next to you looks like she has something to say. And he turns, he's like, how are you feeling about this Flyers win? She goes, fucking amazing. <laughs> And it's one of the best just live television moments I, I've ever seen. Like, oh, <laughs> so good. Uh, but that, yeah, that, uh, thankfully we have Coatsy and Bill Clement and not Jack Edwards and Milbury. And yeah. actually all the Philly representatives that we get on national TV, Keith Jones, Brian Boucher, they do a great job. Yeah, they're actually good. Yeah. I was going to say to pile one more on. I, I can't stand Andrew Brickley either. He's got too much of a Boston accent and uh, he's just, I, I don't know. He just, he just, it's never good. So, no, no, it's not great. Yeah. That's a, a kind of hot. Looking good. Looking, looking good. Is... And you know you know why he was looking good? Because I selected him as one of my players of the week oh, last week. Oh, shit. Uh, who was the guy you picked for me? I, uh, well, I I didn't pick individually. You know, it was just one group effort here. But well, I, I, I went, I was betting 500 for this one. So I picked Carter Hart and I picked Kevin Hayes last week. Carter Hart uh, had a shutout and one game that I wouldn't really blame on him. And Kevin Hayes had zero points. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. It's been a. I mean, Carter Hart stole two games though, so I'm I'm claiming victory in this player of the week yeah, selection. Oh yeah, definitely. And yeah, Kevin yeah. Hayes was fine. Yeah, he's uh, fine span. Yeah, he's he's. I got it. Just kind of like you know neutral. He's been there. Yeah, 
He's been well, there. He's been playing he's, hockey. Does that mean I'm making that pick this week then? If you, you want to, which, the you one? or the Hayes one of me? Yeah, okay. Um, it is totally up to you if you want to make a pick. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm picking Drew. Uh, first oh, line looked good. I like it. Three. He's gotten a point, uh, or he's been involved in all three of the goals for. I think he's gonna get a goal this week at some point in time. Looking forward to it. It's gonna get he's a big goal in like a two-one game. Yeah, he's he's been doing fine. Uh, nobody looked good in game two, but again, he he looked fine in game one and three. I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Drew here. All right, I like it. I like it a lot. That's a tough decision then. Uh, so I, I like to mix it up. I don't like to go with the same guy two weeks in a row. So uh, I'll leave uh, Carter Hart alone, even though uh, I do think he's in for another great week. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about Travis Sanheim right now. Oh, baby. All right, that's a good pick. I like that. I think Travis Sanheim's been playing... I would argue maybe the best of the defensemen so far. I mean, uh, Pro I, obviously, it's been it, a tank. Yeah, no, but no, Sanheim, I think, has actually been the best, too. Provorov's had kind of, Provorov's had some lapses, and I want to see more out of the power play. And but Niskanen's been terrible next to him. Niskanen's been balls. Uh, Myers has had his moments, and again, the third <laughs> pair has been, yeah, third I'm pair. I'm just laughing at you saying balls like you did. Like you, balls. I, I, the way you said it, I almost thought you said boss for a second. Like, <laughs> like good. No, Back he's in, been. Was that nineties nomenclature there? I think that was nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, that felt. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But like, I thought you said that, and I'm like, oh no, you said balls, like. <laughs> yeah, he's been balls, balls. ass, uh, stank, whatever, whatever good thing you want to like, anything you want to associate with negative play. It's been a lot of, it's been a lot of Niskanen lately. Uh, but no, Sandheim's looked like a monster, and uh, again, third pair hasn't looked. If Proveroff and Niskanen were at the top of their game, I think this series would look a lot different too. Because I don't, I think so. I, I mean, the Habs have two goals a game, and it still feels like they've gotten away with too much. So if they, yeah, that and the second pair did also fuck around the defensive zone a couple games. So if they tighten that up, then you know the one goal against and the shutout too are going to keep coming. So I'm, I'm fine with. Again, I, I think they're still going to do it. I'm not. I. It's just not did, as easy. I was going to say I did almost go with Travis Konechny though, for my my pick. I I almost went with the Jerk Store's all time bestseller because I really think TK he's got that fire in him. He wants to do it, but he's been getting very frustrated. You know, young, he's a young man who's getting, who's got very hot with passion. <laughs> TK, man, like you can just tell he wants to throw himself through a brick wall right now. And yeah. he's going to get there, uh, provided the Flyers, you know, continue playing good defense and make yeah. it out of the series, which I, I am very he's optimistic about. Shit. I feel good about. He's, but he's, he's still, still talking shit. He's yeah. He's getting the app in him, so he's still he's still having a little bit of the connecting effect. I just uh, you know, like some points. But he's been work. frustrated. He's yeah, you know yeah, slamming like his stick him. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, if he if he gets noticed with by if he makes noise against that Tatar Suzuki Gallagher line, like that's the thing. Gallagher has been. I think Gallagher's led the the Canadians in scoring every single game. Had seven shots of goal in game one, and like he's. If they just figure out a way to neutralize him and just not let him impact the game, they they're gonna keep struggling to score, and uh, we'll see we'll see more of that later. Hopefully, I'm thinking that Gallagher's out pesting TK right now <laughs> by smashing watermelons all over his head. That's what he's doing. All over his head. It's, <laughs> you can't control Gallagher. It's a Everybody's wild man just annoyed right now. <laughs> watermelon all over. <sighs> so Travis Sanheim for me, Claude Giroux, the captain himself for. 
Craig Forsyth. That's right. And we'll see. We'll see Drew go pointless and uh, connect me. I have a bunch of goals, which fine. That's Sandheim. Sandheim. Sandheim have a bunch of goals. That's fine. Him too. I hope they both have a bunch of sure, goals. Sure. Why not? Sure. Why not? I mean, as we all know, uh, scoring a goal, the hardest thing to do in sports by far. Mm. I mean, yeah, I think. That's in the words Steven, of the legendary scribe, Elliot Shore Parks. Yeah, but I mean, to, to go off that, Steve, I feel pretty confident. Like, he says he could maybe score a touchdown in the NFL. I know I could. Uh, hit a home run. I don't need luck for that. I'm, I'm double one deep. I'm mashing taters every day. Uh, could probably get two points in an NBA game. Yeah, uh, you've seen that AI clip on Michael Jordan early in his career. Let's just say that would be like me and LeBron. And then to play hundreds of hockey games and never score. I don't know. I'm not really. That seems. It's funny because, like, not only is he overestimating how good he is at all this, it's like, I also feel like scoring a hockey goal may actually be the easiest one because that would be the one that would probably involve the most luck. <laughs> like, that would be, like, the one you could just throw the puck at the net and stupid shit could happen or it'll go in. I like how I mean, it's like maybe score a touchdown. That's the one that it's like on the one hand, like I do appreciate that he's saying that scoring a goal in hockey is a very difficult thing to do, but like all those other things are insane. Like a home run, <laughs> yeah. I dude, I couldn't even begin to know how to hit a wow. ninety mile an hour fastball, let alone I, anything like off speed that like, like yeah, you're gonna throw a curveball at me. I'm just gonna completely whiff, spin yeah. out of my shoes comically, like I'm in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if I even go on a football field, I'm going to break my spine. And if I go into an NBA game, you know, somebody, who, this, the shortest guy on the court is going to slam the ball back in my face Absolutely. when I take a shot. And it's just, I, my nose is going to be broken. There's going to be blood gushing <laughs> everywhere. It's going to be terrible. My favorite, I just like the idea of like, I'm thinking of how you would actually have to score a touchdown in the NFL. And it's like running it in from the one yard line when everybody knows it's going to go there, jump ball in the end, like the end zone for, for a, a catch, like the, for a receiving touchdown, where you beat somebody to the pile on a foot race. And like, I'm picturing like... <laughs> the only way I could score a touchdown in the NFL is like a Philly special Nick Foles catch. Hey, well, you, yeah, where everybody, that's... nobody thinks the ball's coming to me, and I sneak away and catch it. That's the only way. Only way. Like, that, that has to be the only way. Like, every other way, you're getting fucking... Like every other, like, yeah. like a race for the pylon with Von Miller. Like, he, are you going to touch down there, or are you going to be in the ICU? Like, there's no. I don't. I just love the cockiness of like. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to go up the middle things. and have Fletcher Cox destroy my soul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, oh god, we laugh. It's it's all it's good. It's a good time. It's, you know, folks. In case you weren't aware, it's not just the Flyers that have ridiculous beat writers. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they're all. They're all over the place. I think every team's got a couple, but that's uh, not too often we get to talk about one of the Eagles ones, so there you go. It's true. It's true. Go Birds. Go all right, Birds. Craig, you want to take us? We're going to do a real around a the league or, yeah. for this forecast, a mini around the league, because the forecast is they're playing the Montreal Canadiens uh, two to four times. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're going to, like, this might become just a mini play for the rest of the uh, the postseason, too. But so around the league, only a couple things. Oh, wow. uh, Pittsburgh Penguins forwards uh, Evgeny Malkin and Zach Asnarius underwent successful surgeries this week. Malkin had surgery on his left elbow, and a full recovery is expected in three to four weeks. And then uh, Asnarius had surgery on his left shoulder and will be out six months. Uh, John Robolewski uh, will be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Kings AHL affiliation, the Ontario Reign. 
Uh, Robluski spent the last four seasons as the U.S. National Team Development Program head coach, uh, the U-17 team that a bunch like uh, Cole Caulfield and a bunch of guys played at. So, uh, Ontario! Yes. Yeah, so, Rain uh, on me! <laughs> Rain on me! Now, were you going for the Who cover or the Pearl Jam cover? The answer is yes. Yes? Okay. Yeah, the, that's the Who that's original fair. or the Pearl Jam cover. Did you ever see what was that movie with Adam Sandler that the Pearl Jam covered that for? Was it Love Rain Over Me? It was okay. Was that good? I've never seen it. Never seen but it. But I like the cover. I do like the cover, and I remember the song being used for it, and that's about it. <laughs> we'll get somebody will watch that over there for the next uh, for the next week. Somebody will watch that movie now, and they'll give us a uh, a movie review. But until then, I'm going to keep asking about it. So get ready for that on Thursday. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just Rain Over Me. Oh, okay. Rain Over Yeah, that's a good song. Rain Over Me. <laughs> Sandler, Don Cheadle. Only love. The Dream Team. Oh, God. Where'd they go wrong? Uh, how do you start with that combo and not have an instant classic? I don't know. You know? I the world may never know. No. The world may never know. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Steve, uh, I'm done. Uh, I mean, I, I got nothing else. Uh, I mean, I put down a lot of stats here, but I mean, stats are for dorks. We all know that. Uh, floors yep. are making a difference on the scoreboard, so I don't need the nerd's gonna time. nerd. Nerd's gonna nerd out hard. So, <laughs> ready to go home and uh, take a nippy nap. Get this thing over. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that's all we got for you. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yep, and I will have out, uh, been doing the goals article, and so for a one-goal game, that becomes a little bit lighter. So I think for tomorrow, I'm going to break down the goal and then look at the near misses from game three, which would have been uh, six posts were hit. So I was just going to go back and look at all those chances and kind of break them down. Uh, and then maybe add in some other shit. And that is about it. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I got going on. And we'll do, uh, I should have Tuesday's goals out by Wednesday and then Wednesday's goals out by Thursday. There we go. That's good stuff right there. Good stuff. The best stuff. Well, uh, good stuff. We'll go with good stuff, yeah. Nothing but the best <laughs> stuff here. <laughs> it sure was a fly purpley. You can reach me at FlyPurbly or at Esteban, but for your hockey needs, make it FlyPurbly. Be sure to follow BSH Radio and Broad Street Hockey and check out all of our wonderful podcast offerings. I mean, you got FlyPurbly with us later this week. Always a good time. Us. Last one went two hours. Who knows how long this one will go because we got two games to talk about. Oh, All the podcasting. Forever. (laughs) Forever. We got... BSH Radio. We got checking out comp- checking out the competition with Kelly Hinkle. We got Bill Matz's post games, and I saw Bill and Charlie put out a little BSH uh, bonus episode today. So be sure to check that out as well. Go check it out. Yeah, go give them uh, g- g- give them them clicks. All the clicks is what you need there. Click that thing up. Share <laughs> share with a bunch of friends. Hey, share with friends and family. Let everybody see it. Yeah. 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 Let's put it on a giant loudspeaker. Like walk around the streets and. <laughs> Put it in a, a boombox, like a 1980s boombox, and just walk around blasting BSH podcasts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who who says no? I'd be a fan of that. Who says no? Nobody says no. Folks, that's all we got. Let's go, Flyers. Hopefully the next two games are much more entertaining than the last two games were. Mm, no. We shall see. And we'll be back later this week with Flight Purple to talk to you. And again, we'll do a little Flight Blade uh, Flyers forecast next week. Well, hopefully, hopefully we will. Hopefully things have not oh, gone. Boy. Horrifically wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Dun, dun, dun. We'll find out. We'll find out. Same flipe channel, same flipe time. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.